Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest is Steve Bart. Steve is the co-owner of CrossFit Reconstructed in Hokesson, Delaware. He's the Holistic Health and Fitness State Coordinator for the Delaware Army National Guard. He was instrumental in helping outfit 13 armories to resemble CrossFit gyms in Delaware. And they also built a $5 million fitness center in Bethany Beach. He is an avid Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner and competitor. And we talk about the differences and similarities between Brazilian jiu-jitsu and CrossFit. Uh, But we dive deep into his lifestyle that allows him to facilitate such an active professional life alongside of his fitness goals. This one was a lot of fun, and I know you're going to love it. Enjoy. Steve Bart, welcome to the show. Yo, brother. How are we doing? I'm doing wonderful, man. We were just uh, off mic chatting about how amazing it is right now to be a Philadelphia fan. It is. It's incredible. 6-0 with the Eagles. The Phillies are just knocking San Diego's block off right now. I love it. Yeah, oh, it's it's fantastic. And it's great because like, even when the Philly teams aren't doing that great, like I feel like the cameras are just always on Philadelphia because they make such a mess and such a noise. <laughs> Um, so it's, uh, it's even better when the teams are backing it up and it just gives you all that much more reason to kind of, you know, talk shit online. It's the best. And the memes that are coming out of it are just unbelievable. Oh, dude, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. Yeah. I'm really hoping that, uh, I can find time to squeeze down to, uh, an Eagles game at some point this season. And I know it's like, it's kind of like watching the housing market rise. Like you're like, (laughs) do it now, do it now, you know? Uh, not to mention, it's going to get way colder. Um, I, I went to oh, the yeah. I went to the Falcons game when we played uh, Atlanta in the first game of the playoffs, mm-hmm. and it was so cold my beer would freeze. Like it was like if I didn't go inside periodically, my beer was slushy. Yeah, and that's no fun. It's it, no. honestly watching on TV is incredible. Oh, nowadays the angles, they make yeah yeah totally different ball game now. Um, cool. Well. There's so much awesome stuff I know we can get into, so I'm interested to see where this conversation goes. Um, so I actually wanted to kick things off with just talking a little bit about uh, some of the stuff that you're doing with the military and, and throughout the the greater parts of Delaware. I know you're tied in with like the Green Beret Project um, a little bit, so can you expand a little bit on what you do, who you serve, and uh, some of the things you're working on? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my full-time position is the health and holistic health and fitness state coordinator for Delaware uh, and the Delaware Army National Guard. Uh, What that really entails is it's essentially a project management role. I I fulfill a lot of logistical issues that the state was faced with uh, over the last few years uh, in terms of how to train soldiers, where to get their training, equipment, uh, facilities, things like that. So what we did, um, and I can get back into that later for sure, but uh, we've essentially built every armory into a CrossFit gym. Uh, there's 13 armories across the state of Delaware. Uh, we've also built a $5 million fitness facility down in Bethany beach. And that should be ready within the next few weeks. Um, on top of that, we've conducted training and seminars, um, with military and civilians alike, uh, to kind of just increase the knowledge base, uh, of those, you know, realms that we're trying to tackle in the H2F program. Um, 
On top of that, I'm also the region lead for the H2F program in region two, which is Pennsylvania, Maryland, New Jersey, Virginia, West Virginia, Delaware, and DC. So I oversee their H2F programs as well, uh, which is, you know, not as much as it sounds like it's kind of just a spot check every once in a while, make sure they're uh, pointing in the right direction and their azimuths are correct. Uh, but uh, that's, that's that in a nutshell. Um, I also own CrossFit Reconstructed in Hocass and Delaware with uh, Tom and Dwayne. And uh, Stephanie is actually competing in the Masters Fitness Collective right now. She's, her heat is on as we speak, and she's crushing it. She's beating everybody. It's awesome. Um, now I just feel bad for pulling you away from that. No, I watched the first three rounds, and I was like, she doesn't, I'm not doing anything from here. I'm just, I'll watch it later. <laughs> but uh, she stuck to the game plan, she, and she's been such a great asset to our, our gym and, uh, frankly, our business because, you know, she's, she's doing a great job. Um, Nothing like strong female energy in the gym, man. Dude, and she's, she's just awesome, too. Um, if we ever butt heads, it's, you know, it's just real talk. You're dumb, and here's why. And I'm like, thank you for saying that. Um, outside of that, you know, you mentioned uh, some nonprofit space. So me and a few friends actually started a 5013C this year. Uh, it's called Shoot, Move, Communicate. And uh, our goal for that is to create mentors to eventually hand down to uh, other nonprofits that we have been very passionate and uh, uh, passionate about, like the Green Bray Project and the uh, We Defy Foundation, which is uh, getting disabled veterans uh, into jujitsu classes to get them their blue belt. But uh my thought was, I, I, I get asked a lot by uh, Adam uh, from the Green Beret Project if I know anyone who would be a good mentor. And I always have the same answer. I'm like, I have a few friends. And my, my thought process behind starting the nonprofit was, maybe I can just create some mentors. And if I can't create them, I can at least vet them to where I feel comfortable handing them off to someone else. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I'm going to take this. And like I said, it's brand new. This is our first year. We just opened a bank account yesterday. Uh, and have a few donations trickling in. So it, it's really just a veterans retreat where we, you know, just hang out, talk about life, talk about issues, and uh, enjoy each other's company. So, but yeah, like I said, somebody, I like to turn into that. As somebody that that has multiple friends that are that are veterans, um, I, I can say that it it is unequivocal, unequivocally a, a great thing that you're doing. You know, and um, I think that having them get into something like jujitsu will just be so transformative for their mental health. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it reminds me a lot of CrossFit, uh, the community and the atmosphere uh, that they both kind of possess uh, and that they can foster, right? Because as a, as a veteran leaving a unit, uh, it's, it's really important that you don't lose a sense of purpose and a sense of, you know, the team feeling. So I think that both of those realms really bring that back for those people uh, that truly need that uh, because it's part of your life at that point. You're, you know, I can imagine like a pro sports player <clears throat> leaving, leaving their team and going into just a regular day-to-day -day life by themselves. And that's probably just, uh, you know, an equal, equal struggle of going back, uh, not really having a connection with other people. And so soldiers leaving a unit um, it's, it's definitely a, tough transition to go from relying on other people to be successful to relying now on yourself. And then also in most cases, providing for your family and, you know, being the, the support system that other people need, uh, without a, even having one for yourself. <clears throat> so, yeah, absolutely. What, what, uh, just curious, what did the, um, the armories have in terms of gym equipment yeah. and space and allocation before you came in? 
So uh, a lot of them were passed down equipment, you know, a lot of hand-me-down stuff, some old metal dumbbells, uh, some pulley systems. And then, you know, everybody's favorite, the bench press, because uh, every armory wouldn't be complete without a bench press up to 225. So, <laughs> uh, but really, we it was all kind of outdated and frankly, just old and dirty. And I, I looked around when I, when I kind of surveyed the state and what we had. There were some units that were, you know, ahead of the curve with what they had, but we have a new fitness test. So with the new fitness test, it's six events. There's deadlifts, there's sled drags, there's power throws of the medicine ball, hand release, push-ups, and running, right? So everything you could think of to cover fitness, we have to do it now instead of just push-ups, sit-ups, and a two-mile run. So I thought, what better training methodology to push than CrossFit and functional fitness? So every armory now has, um, you know, a lot of cardio equipment, rowers, bikes, skis, uh, and we're working on getting air runners for most of them too. So they can perform the running event inside. Uh, we've got rigs and pull up bars, barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells, boxes, you name it. It's, it's a fully functional gym. Uh, granted the equipment isn't the best because we can't just select rogue as our, uh, as our contract, we have to go through the the proper channels. So we end right. up getting, a, you know, maybe some second class equipment that, you know, it's it's having its its shortfalls with some of the welds on the barbells and whatnot. But they're easily replaceable. And for the most part, it's working just fine. Yeah. I mean, one battle at a time, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, how much would you say the 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 change or the need for change came by the way of just there was a lack of funding versus a lack of priority so in 2014 there was a ted talk by a general hurtling and i always reference this because when he was talking he he brought up uh the the risk of injury that we're faced with in today's generation uh just in boot camp alone and then the pool of people to to uh, bring into the military for this generation what are the most common injuries the most common injury was a femoral neck fracture uh, in the hips. Interesting. Yeah, because basically these kids go from from the couch to putting a 50, 60-pound rucksack on, and then they're having them, you know, hump all this gear uh, pretty far. And they're not their bodies aren't accustomed to it, maybe because they didn't play sports as a kid or uh, they didn't really have an active childhood because of video games and whatnot. Um, but but to your point, like the, the real need was we need to – essentially have a entire system that covers physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and, and sleep, uh, in terms of readiness, because it's not just the physical aspect anymore, uh, of the soldier, right? There's, there's different things that happen, um, than just being as strong as fast as possible. That doesn't hurt. Uh, but there are other things that go into the human psyche that also, kind of trickle into other realms. Yeah, no, that's, it's, it's very true. And, um, I, I'm just thinking about this a million different ways because like I, I, this is, these are conversations I've openly had with a best friend of mine that, um, was a green beret and then was honorably, uh, discharged. And, um, it, he, one of the things he said to me was when he came home, he was like, one, like it's really, really hard just to acclimate back to, to normal life. Yeah. Right? You go from a place where you're blowing things up, you know, two or three days a week and you're being sent randomly all over the world and, you know, into these like high stress 
uh, dangerous situations. And then you're just like at home playing teacup with your daughter. Right. You know? And he's like, it's such a, no one prepares you for that kind of a transition back into normal life. So I was thinking about that as you were mentioning earlier, how jujitsu can be part of that, that transition. And then um, on the backside of that, it's like, you know, the, the fitness piece is, is an interesting one because I feel like there's a parallel to, to police. Like this is like the, one of the main things yeah. that's stressed. We, we work with the Newark SWAT team and like, one of the main things that they stress is just that they it's it's hard to get the their actual like precinct or whatever it is like where they work to to fund fitness like to make this more of a priority for the people yeah yeah and that's i mean we found that and i still am fighting that uphill battle today uh because funding is an issue it's always going to be and and fitness isn't looked at as a priority at the moment uh but it it certainly is transitioning into a top top three priority, right? Um, the army always, a lot of militaries and, and police, uh, departments, they stress three things, shoot, move, communicate, right? So the move aspect is you being able to, you know, move to cover, move to wherever, carry something, move loads, whatever it is. And if you're not in, in decent shape, that job becomes much more difficult. Um, and I've put together presentations and briefed some very high level people and you know, the faces that they make after I say what I say, it kind of paints the picture for it. Right. They're just like, wow, that, uh, okay. Like their All standards right. are so low. Yeah. And I, and, I, and then, you know, when I say something along the lines of since we've started this program, we've increased our, you know, passing rate of our physical fitness test by 29% uh, since 2018. And they're like, really, how'd you do that? I'm like, we made people work out, you know, it's not that hard, but it, this has to yeah. be a priority for, for unit commanders or for, um, you know, police lieutenants, whoever's in charge of the section to where they're bought into it and they can then, you know, demand that excellence from their police officers or their soldiers. Yeah. And I think it's reallocating energy, time and resources to the preventative measures necessary to alleviate many of the problems that they're facing in the first place. You know, Absolutely. I think we see this across the board, right? It's like, you know, physical therapy for, for the, the aftermath when someone rolls an ankle or, you know, tears right. an Achilles or what, whatever. And it's like, okay, these things could have been prevented had we just had the right protocols in place consistently over time to, you know, before this happened. Right. And back to General Hurtling's TED Talk, he said that. He said, we spent, you know, uh, I don't even know the number, but it was an ungodly amount of money in these guys that didn't even complete boot camp. And now we have to cover them for the rest of their life. Right. And there's there's people and um, that have done tons and tons of things that they deserve every single dime that the government can pay for them and then some. But there's also people that have been to boot camp, gotten injured, and now the government pays for that for the rest of, of their life, right? And it could have just been a simple knee injury or a hip injury that could have been av- avoided with, through just a little bit of structure and discipline leading up to that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think, you know, you can. this takes you a little bit away from what looked like, you know, what the picture of fitness looked like for boot camp in the very beginning, which was, you know, push-ups, sit-ups, and running under a certain time, right? It was very, right. like, yeah, so yeah, rudimentary. They, yeah, in 1982, that was when the, the new PT test came on board. So that was just after, you know, all the, all the studies they probably had were from World War II. That was the, the latest thing that they had was 
all right, we need to be skinny, fast, and that that's really it, right? Um, they weren't carrying a ton of gear, and today's soldier is carrying upwards of a hundred hundred pounds of gear. If you know, and a normal infantry. Do you know what the comparison looks like to to a soldier from back in the day? Uh, side by side, like physical attributes. No, in terms of load uh, management. Like so with, I, um, I want to know a, an actual number, but if I had to piece it together, uh, just to put into perspective, a soldier in World War II is probably carrying a very light helmet, no body armor. Uh, they're carrying maybe a full combat load at the time, but for an M1 Grand is probably only maybe 15 pounds. And then their water source and any other weird equipment that they would have, you know? So I, w- I would right. put their total tonnage at like 30 pounds at, at like the top end, uh, you know, just normal infantrymen. Maybe a machine gunner is probably carrying closer to 50 just because their their weapons a little bit heavier and their ammo is a little bit heavier. Um, but you also had uh, a buddy to carry half of it with you. He was your assistant gunner. So True. you split the load. Now, if I'm a, a saw gunner, a, a, a squad automatic weapon, I'm carrying my weapon, which is 27 pounds. I'm carrying my combat load, which is a thousand rounds. And that's just to fight. Then I need to survive. So I need my kit. I need my aid bag. I need my IFAC. I need my admin kit. And it just adds up. And then whatever else I have, if I'm going in some austere environment, I need to sleep. I need to eat. Right. So I'm carrying all that as well. Um, where those guys just didn't even eat. They would go out in the field for a week and have like, oh, guys, like make sure you eat your cracker today uh, to get your energy. Here it's like, you know, we, we have MREs and we're carrying these. Uh, HMRE is probably about three to five pounds too. So, I mean, it adds up, right? So the, the, right. the soldier is a lot different nowadays. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So I'll tell you, I have a funny story for you. And then um, that can lead into some some selfish questions I want to ask you. So uh, I was this was a while ago, but I was like driving through Wilmington. And I was like, Oh, there's Steve, he's rucking. And I was like, I'm gonna beep. And I was like, No, I'm not gonna be the guy that like makes him dive into a bush (laughs) because he thinks a car's about to hit him. So I just like drove by. But um, yeah, I've, uh, I've recently got gotten into rucking myself. And I wanted to Kind of pick your brain on that a little bit. So, how often do you currently rock? Now, uh, rarely ever. Uh, I okay. Maybe, so this was it was more. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. I was training for some stuff back then. Uh, it was probably maybe a few years ago you saw me do that. Uh, yeah. So I was training for some stuff, but um, now if I if I rock, it's probably somewhere between thirty five pounds, and I'll go for maybe five six miles. Uh, and I kind of use it as restorative. Like I'm not I'm not going for times. Um, because there was one point where I, I had just locked in my head, the, the time standard for a mile with 50 pounds was 15 minutes. So no matter what, no matter how far you're going, you better be hitting a 15 minute mile. That's ha- And that's hauling. I mean, you're just, and I have little legs. You've seen me like you guys listening. <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah. I'm not the, uh, the tallest guy around. I know Derek and I look, you know, identical right now, but he got me by maybe two <laughs> feet. So I've got these short legs and, uh, to create a 30 inch step for me is, is uh, quite the feat. So I, I shuffle a lot, right? I, I kind of go to a, a very slow jog, but, uh, if I was to just walk, it's, it's probably going to keep me away from that 15 minute pace. So I'd have to go a little bit faster than everybody else just to keep up. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I mean, I honestly got into it more so for the mental side of things yeah. than the physical, because I don't ever take out, like, I don't wear headphones when I'm doing it. You know, yeah. it's, it's like kind of one of those things where like I'm off in the woods or doing whatever. And, and it's, it's very, 
I find that is very helpful just for the, the mindfulness of it. I agree. And uh, during the year that I was training for that, uh, all that stuff, I was, I was reading books in the morning, I was stretching, and then I would go for a ruck. Um, and I just like you said, I don't care about the temperature. I didn't care about the weather, if it was raining, whatever. Uh, I would just throw my ruck on and go for whatever it was, two, five, ten miles uh, with no, no headphones and just the intention of maintaining my pace, but also being out in, in nature, right? Because too often that that's very lost uh, in today's society. We spend a lot of time inside. So being outside like that. Yeah. Is and awesome. I love, I agreed. And I love the analogy of like, your mind is like an email inbox. And if you just keep yourself busy all day, you know, you never go through the inbox. So what right. happens is you lay down at night to go to bed and all of a sudden you're like, Oh shoot, like I got to go through all this. Yeah. And this is why people say like my mind's racing. I can't go to bed. Right. You know, I think, taking time where you're not distracted because people will be like, Oh, I'm going for a walk in the park, but they throw headphones on and listen to a podcast. And it's, you're still consuming. You yes. Know? You're not dumping it out. And that's, you need to offload some of that stuff or else it's just going to, like you it said, can be uncomfortable. Yeah, it can because yeah. it's just you and in, in between your ears. Right. And uh, a lot of people battle a lot of things. And if you don't come to grips with them, they're just going to keep, you know, piling up, piling up. So it's good to, to use yeah. that as that outlet for sure. Yeah. Now you've, you've really heavily gotten into jujitsu in the, uh, the last year or two here, haven't you? Yeah. Um, so in 2010, I, I started doing it with, uh, some buddies just during one of our training events, we all brought, like they brought geese and I didn't know what a gi was like, Hey, just put this on. We're just going to choke each other out. It's like, I have no idea what's happening. So that was like my first exposure to it. (laughs) Uh, and some of those guys that taught me uh, back then are still my, my friends today. They were still in the military. Um, but then I, I, really pursued CrossFit and I, I found that I enjoy CrossFit and I wanted to go down that rabbit hole. So now that I've, you know, cro- I'll probably do CrossFit every morning for the rest of my life. Uh, it's just something I do for, for health now. Uh, but the jujitsu I started maybe about five months ago going, you know, three to five times a week. And it's just incredible. Uh, not only physical, but the mental aspect of, um, you know, having, having the other person or your opponent against you, uh, and you can't control what they do, right? So it's it's a fun game to play. It's also a good skill to know. Uh, and I'd recommend it to anybody that's, you know, on the fence about giving a martial art a try. This is probably my my favorite one, right? I'm not a really I haven't I've never really been in a big fight, right? I've maybe once in high school. Uh but I'm I'm not a big fighter. So this this to me is um reminds me of wrestling a lot from uh you know, I wrestled back in high school. Uh but the the coaches and the people that are around are so so knowledgeable especially here in delaware we have a great uh brazilian jiu-jitsu community so if anybody's on the fence absolutely go give it a shot yeah my wife and i are expecting a daughter in march and i um i already told my wife i was like just know that by the time she is old enough to be able to talk and like roll around she's gonna be on a jiu-jitsu it's funny because uh julia actually she said something like she commented on one of my pictures and she's like yeah actually um our daughter's gonna do jiu-jitsu too i was like good she should that's awesome. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, like, you want to talk about confidence, especially for a girl. Yeah. I mean, it's – I don't know that there's anything better that you can do. No, and, like, the self-defense aspect of it is taught first, right? That's the first thing you learn. You're not learning how to compete. Nobody cares about that. Just like in CrossFit, you don't care about CrossFit competitions. You care about moving well and, and uh, feeling good, right? And the same thing here is, like, you need to make sure that in a situation that I hope never comes – uh you're ready for it, or at least you have the understanding of giving yourself a chance. You know, you are definitely not an easy target. Absolutely not. No. And just, I, I always tell people like, 
if you know jujitsu, you basically have a superpower, uh, even a little bit because other people don't know any of it. Right. Well, right, right. And you're, you're not going to be the deer in headlights when someone's trying to steal your purse. Right. You just, you have an idea of what to do and like the, the fundamentals of, you know, how to escape or how to stand up properly. Cause it's not as simple as it sounds, but once it's explained to you, it's really easy to comprehend. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, from the perspective of an attacker, they know within five seconds that you're going to be a problem to deal with. Right. It doesn't take it doesn't take a minute of you choking them out, right, and having them in a crucifix right. to be like to to be like, look, I know something. Like they're gonna figure it out the minute you get wrist control, right, or like get your hands clasped around the neck. They're gonna be like, oh no, yeah. I made a big yeah, mistake. Fatal error. So, but no, that's that's a great <laughs> yeah. point. I wish I wish more people would do it uh, because there are tons of schools around, no matter where you live. Yeah, um, and I can't say enough good things about Riverfront Jiu Jitsu. Um, Billy, Billy Shaw and Elise have a great thing here and I'm just happy to be a part of that. Um, I could totally see myself. I, so I did it for four years and I, I loved yeah. it. I really, really loved it. Um, it is, however, I would, you know, it's funny because there are so many parallels to CrossFit with jujitsu. And I think that it is so important in jujitsu to find a school that not only has good instructors, but has established a really good yes. culture because if you get into the wrong gym and it's driven by ego, you are you're right for the pick. Right, and that, you know what I mean? Like you're probably going to get hurt. Absolutely. And I, I think um, one of the most common um, similarities between the two realms is overtraining. Some people just go in every single day, never taking a day off, never actually recovering properly. And then they, they end up getting hurt. Uh, and I think they're the parallels. Yeah, and in jujitsu, I have found, and I know this has probably changed a little bit over time, but I have found that the overwhelming sentiment is that like, I don't need to do strength training. Yeah. And you're like, oh. like people feel confident with just rolling, right? And that's it's great, but that's like just riding the assault bike. Like you only all you do is run, all you do is pull ups. Like you have to do something different. You can't just do one thing. Well, it's hard to believe that it being one dimensional in anything is going to make you a better athlete. Absolutely. And uh, one of the one of CrossFit's you know tag phrases or taglines is regularly learn and play new sports. And I feel like for me that that has been such a good adaptation. Um, from the translation of jujitsu to regular fitness. Cause I, I don't really run distance. I ran my, uh, my two mile last Saturday, Sunday in 13 minutes and I haven't ran that fast in a while. So it was cool to still yeah, be. Isn't it funny? You know, Those are really, really important moments. I feel like when you're somebody that spreads your fitness out a lot, but then you just randomly test one single domain and you go, Wow, like I'm actually fairly still like proficient. I in beat that. the closest kid who's 18, 18 years old by like a minute and a half or two minutes, and I'm I'm thirty two. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's awesome to still be getting, you know, still be getting better um, every week, every year, and then having having the ability to see it. So let's jam a little bit on uh, your current like morning routine and and what your day, you know. Uh, how you've sculpted that to look on a regular basis. Yeah. So, um, most days I take our 5am class. So I'll wake up around four twenty. Um, Becky's been working at BB. So she, you know, if she's not home, I'll take the dog out, feed him and then, uh, put him back in the room and then I'll, uh, I'll head out to, to work out. I usually do our 5am class, um, at, at reconstructed and then I'll come home, shower and head to work by seven. Uh, so then, in, you know, I'll do a full day's work, uh, sometimes during lunch, uh, we'll skip lunch. We'll do some, uh, some jujitsu at lunch. 
uh, just because we have mats there. And uh, there's a couple guys at my office that actually train here. And um, it's really cool to just have that that benefit at, at lunch to have other people that want to do that. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll shower up and then finish the day and then I'll head back to uh, reconstruct it. I usually have a client uh, that I'll train from four to five. And then if I'm coaching at night, I'll coach night classes um, or I'll just head home or I'll head out. If I didn't do jujitsu at lunch, I'll go uh, in the afternoon and, and do it here at Riverfront. Uh, but I try to be in bed by, you know, eight, nine o'clock most nights uh, so I can at least get as close to eight hours as I can. Um, but that's, are you generally a good sleeper? Yeah, I don't, I'm not a good sleeper. I need, you know, I, I take Zequel on occasion, uh, just to really knock out. Uh, but if it's a day where I've expended a lot of energy and a lot of mental, um, jujitsu, <laughs> uh, I, I definitely will yeah. be able to sleep a lot better. Yeah, no, for sure. No, I was just curious because, um, it's always interesting to talk to other people, other gym owners and other people that are just so heavily in the fitness industry because everyone's got like similarities, but then some nuances to, to the way that they kind of structure their day. So I wanted to kind of, to jam with you on that. Uh, now you, you had mentioned that, um, you know, off mic that you do some, uh, in-home training at the moment. Yeah. So I, uh, I only have one client, uh, and I try to keep my client book small, uh, because I want to give them the full attention. I want them to change, right? So the, the man I'm working with now is a, a really well-known businessman. He's He's been working his ass off with me for about almost two years. Uh, and he was in a rough place, uh, but now confidently I can say that guy is healthier than he's been in the last 40 years. He lost close to 100 pounds. You know, he's, That's yeah, it's amazing. incredible. It's incredible, right? And uh, the reason I don't take on a ton of clients because I know I don't have the time to dedicate to them. So I could, I probably could fit another two or three in my day, but my quality of life would suffer. Their training would suffer. It's not worth it. It's not, not fair to them. Um, and I don't like, I don't like promising things I can't deliver on, uh, in terms of, of training. Cause that, that is something I really think is important. And I know you do an incredible job with making sure your clients are doing everything they're supposed to do. Um, and I, I always see great, great things from your gym and how your clients develop and progress. And I think that's awesome too. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that just, um, is a testament to the team that I have underneath of me. You know, we have, we have too many people now for me to keep tabs on every single person as much as I would love to be able yeah. to do so. Um, plus I have too many other projects and things that I'm yeah. working on. Um, so yeah, the, the team has been growing and they're doing amazing things, but, um, ironically the, the in-home game is how I got started yeah. out. So it was fascinating when I read that, um, because I was like, Oh wow! Like this is this. You know, I had some a moment of nostalgia. So I had before opening Hardbat, I had like thirteen, fourteen in home clients. That was like kind of my gig. I was driving all over yeah. the place, and I would I would get up. I was still in college at the time, and I would get up before uh, before I even had classes and go work with like you know house moms at five in the morning. Um, and it was a cool gig, and I still have, funny enough, like some of those same yeah. clients um, now, you know. And I don't, I don't see very many at all anymore, only because it's just not worth my time. But there's a few people, um, I should say, I don't have the time to be able to devote to that. But there's a few people that I just like can't let go. Yeah. Um, so it's it's funny because you establish such a wholesome relationship with people when you're like in their homes, you get to meet their yeah. family, you're petting their right. dog, you're helping change their kitchen right. environment around. Like there's just such a different level of involvement with the in-home stuff that I just th don't think is, is, you know, you're capable of, uh, inside of the gym. Yeah. It's a, it's a big point to have the buy-in from your, uh, 
from your client, but also for them to buy into you as well to say, you know, I trust this person enough to, to listen to them. All right. Because I'm telling you things that may seem very foreign at the moment. Uh, I know they work, uh, but it's, but in today's society, some of the things that we press on people, uh, they may not be comfortable with. And unfortunately that's the reality that we live in. Uh, but it's our job as fitness professionals to make sure that they understand where we're coming from and the way we deliver information is super important, right? So I think trust is a very important factor in that, right? Anybody can write a good program that there's not, you know, it's not hard. There's plenty of templates out there you can follow and, and whatnot. But the X factor, I believe, is that you have to have an ultimate, you know, trust between you and your client that they know you're going to put in the work to get them to where they want to be. And then, you know, they're going to put in the work, uh, you know, vice versa. Uh, so you're not wasting your time. For sure. Yeah. I mean, this is why everyone is hip to the idea that like you can find just about anything online yeah. nowadays. Like you could go to a four-year degree, right? Through a masterclass program and get the same knowledge that you would get is if you went to and paid 200 grand at a university. It's the secrets are free. They're available, right? It's the application yep. and the execution and the accountability that Absolutely. you're paying for, right? Not to mention the mentorship and having someone there for, for the, you know, the mental and emotional side of things as well, because it can be an emotional experience having to make lifestyle changes because as part of those changes, it's the recognition of all of the things that you let go for 10 or 15 or 20 years. That's a big one, right? When people say, you know, they're smoking cigarettes or they're drinking soda or they eat out every night. Um, and it's a hard reality to say, look, like you've been doing this way too long. Let's, let's cut that shit out and let's make sure that, you know, the next choices that you make are things that benefit you and not, not deter you from your goals. For sure. Yeah. And I think it's, it's getting people, it's convincing people that there's not a perfect path. There's just a right direction. Right. Right. You know, like it's not, cause think about it. Like a lot of people that fall off the wagon, it's because they keep seeking a perfect path. Quick, like it quick has fix. to be keto. Like this is, this is the quick fix. Yeah. And like, and also just like, it's like a lottery ticket yep. mentality. Like, Oh, this is going to be the one, yep. you know? Um, and the reality is it's just not, it's, it's just ultimately, it's just a bunch of choices, you know, piled up on one another over a long span of time. And if we can just get you to start making the right choice when it's presented to you, like over time, that's going to pay off. Right. You're not trying to change their choices. You're trying to change the way that they, they choose. Right. So, and that, that all comes down to what you're teaching them, you know, because it's not sure. just grab this bar, do five deadlifts, and then we just don't talk. It's here's why you do this. Here's why this is important. Here's why you should be getting eight hours of sleep a night. Here's why you can take a rest day and you won't you know, lose sight of your goals. It's okay. Um, but people don't know that, right? And they need, that's why I think the mentorship aspect is what people ultimately are searching for. They just don't know it. It's a deeper level of intention. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, for you, what does, uh, what does diet look like these so days? So I actually just started, uh, back on, um, counting my macros and getting that together because I had to come to a reality that I got super busy and I, I didn't let myself go, but I just kind of wedding, wedding season, season. baby. <laughs> Congrats Thanks, by yeah, the I way. Got, got, uh, got hitched. It's awesome. Ooh, show off the, the, the rubber. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I didn't let myself go or anything, but I just was very loose with what I was eating. And I, I understand, you know, I, when I was working with, um, Katie, Katie Cutler now, 
uh, with, she was doing my macros for me, uh, back when I was, uh, you know, shooting for the regional level CrossFit stuff. Uh, I learned a lot about food. So I learned a lot about portions. I learned a lot about, um, you know, what to eat, when to eat, things like that. So I always have a good understanding of it. And, um, but what I wanted to do now was I kind of just want to get my, um, my daily routine of eating back in check. So, uh, Stephanie McConnell, um, from our gym, she's helped me with my macros and I've got, I've done pretty good for the last few weeks, uh, being within, you know, five, she wants me to be within five, uh, macros each day. So, um, I'm doing, doing all right with that, but I'm tracking it. Like, is it like, as in five uh, grams, five like carbs or five, Grams of pro, yeah. What? A, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, right, yeah. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, it's um, it's important. I feel like from time to time to kind of do a little bit of a uh, a pulse check on on your nutrition. You know, like I'm not somebody that every single day is is pulling the food scale out, but if I ever feel like I need to gain a little bit more control over my diet, whether it be that I have things take an emotional toll on me at that time, or I'm just incredibly yeah. busy. I think it could be a really good way. It's kind of, you know, I always draw the analogy to like, not everyone needs a budget, but like if your spending is out of control or you can't figure out where your money's going, like a budget can be really helpful. And I think that the same is true for weighing and measuring food. Like, I don't believe that if you're, unless your goal is to be like a physique model, right? I don't think everyone needs to weigh and measure food all the no. time. But if you ever feel like you need to gain better control over it, it absolutely can be a great toll because now all of a sudden you can start making associations to like, oh, that's what it feels like when I eat six ounces of that and then a cup of this and then whatever, 150 grams of blueberries or whatever. It's like you can start associating. This is how I feel internally like in terms of my fullness. So now it's like when you go back to any sort of intuitive eating, you're not going to eat twice of that. Because you know that that's right. not and most people don't know what eight ounces of lean meat looks like. They just think if I pull a steak out of a pack and I make that, that's got to be you know eight or twelve ounces. Not knowing that it's probably like three quarters of a pound, and it's way more than what you're expecting. Uh, you know. Yeah, and if you just took the time to to slow things down, I think people would appreciate the fact that like a smaller amount of food actually can be much more filling if you eat it the right way. I think there's like an old Chinese proverb that's like, uh, drink your food and chew your water, mm. which basically yeah. means slow down. Yeah. I mean, like just you know slow Marcus down. Marcus Philly, right? You've heard of that guy. So <laughs> oh, his big course, thing yeah. was like, I'm going to chew every bite of food 30 times. And I, th I found that to be like, that just stuck with me. It's going to have the most profound yeah. jaw. He line. does. He does. Yeah. Shout out to Marcus <laughs> Philly. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, he uh he basically said people just don't they don't chew their food enough, which, you know, in turn kind of hurts your digestion process because your food isn't as as small as it could be, right? But but that thing you'll never know that because if you're starving and you just shove food in your mouth, you're not really thinking about slowing down. And I think being able to yeah. Well, oddly enough, yeah, I was going to say oddly enough too, like a lot of our food this sounds gross, but it comes pre-chewed, right? Like a lot of processed food is super yeah. easy to chew down. You know, if you have a thick piece of steak and broccoli, it's like yeah. you gotta gnaw through that. You do. <laughs> you know, but if you're if you're eating chips, you know, and like, I don't know, I mean, some sort of a, a bread, it's like you could you could chew that four times yeah, exactly. down the hatch. Yeah. That's my that's one <laughs> of my, you know, hopes that in the military they fix soon is uh how they're feeding soldiers, right? Because the quick easy button is to order 
150 box lunches that are, you know, tuna, turkey, Italian sandwiches uh, with chips, apples, pasta salad on, on top of it, right? And there's a purpose to it. If you're out training in the field and you need a lot of carbohydrates and just a quick, easy meal. Um, but if you're sitting doing administrative paperwork, uh, you should probably not be slamming uh, turkey sandwiches or Italian hoagies. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's actually it's a huge pet peeve of mine. Luckily, one that I don't have to run into very often, um, which is just the workplace yeah. culture yep. around food. It's terrible. And like I, the where I run into it more times than not is actually when I am working with someone on their nu- nutrition, and like one of their biggest pitfalls is the fact that like. Beth won't stop bringing in yeah. cake. And I'm like, yeah. well, how, why is there always well, cake in your office? Yeah. Like Becky, I, Becky will tell me the break room in the hospital. She's like, there's literally like, there's I, the word is cake. Like, there's cakes everywhere. There's donuts, there's, you know, candy and, and stuff like that, which if you're going to have a, a Reese cup, I'm all for it, man. I had a, a s'more the other day with a couple friends at a fire pit. Um, but if it's noon, I'm not going to slice half of a chocolate cake and, and that'll be my lunch, you know, but, but people are eating like yeah. unsupervised toddlers at birthday parties and it's, it's terrible. I think it becomes it. Yeah. And I think it's like a misery loves company situation. Like it's no different than people going out on a Wednesday afternoon and slugging beers at happy hour. It's like everyone's there because it makes them feel better to be drinking on a Wednesday afternoon when they know that that's probably not the best decision for them in that very moment. It's not serving them the right way because yeah. everyone else yep. is doing it. When I feel like the cake is like, Oh, well, if everyone's <laughs> hawking pieces of the cake off. Like I feel less bad now because I've on my Dude, third like one piece. One of the biggest you know? things that people crave um, is connection uh, with other humans. Right? So if you know that this is going to be your chance to bond with somebody subconsciously, it might be a, a, a part of you that says, I don't really want it, but like, I do want to talk to this person and they're eating it. So maybe I'll just join. Uh, and I feel like that is the happy hour analogy too. It's like, ah, I haven't really been drinking too much. You know, I don't really want to go have a beer, but like, you know, Derek invited me, so I haven't seen him in a while. Right. And I, and it, you associate, uh, the connection, you know, with, with these meeting points or with these, um, you know, things you're partaking in, not knowing that there's other things you could do, uh, to, to still have the same level of connection just without the the health issue that comes with eating a half of a chocolate cake for lunch. Sure. Yeah. Jordan Peterson, in one of his talks said, um, he's like, if you want to stop drinking, you have to find things in your life that are, you find as fun as drinking, yeah. you know? And like, for me, it, it was, it was like, okay, like it's the communal piece of being able to find, go, go mountain biking, go golfing, go rocking, like do workouts with buddies at the gym it's like still maintaining that community piece. You're not sitting at home twiddling your thumbs. Um, but you just, you subtract out the the drinking aspect. And I, so I gave it up while joy is pregnant because it just in solidarity. And because we have so many things we're working on with the business right now. So I was like, Oh, this is a perfect opportunity. Now we go to Italy in the spring. Like you're out of your mind. If you think I'm not drinking wine on the hills of Tuscany, but it's like, that's the type of, drinking I want to take part in, right? It's not like, oh, it's Friday and I've had a long week and I want to escape. Yeah. You know, that's, I feel like that's, that's well, uh, a lot in of the people use now. that too as a stress relief when, uh, there's other things to use, um, in that, in the same context, right? Because it's a lot easier to just be super tired and to have alcohol kind of take, a, take the edge off, if you will. Right. Instead of just going 
after a long day, putting in a little bit of work at the gym or going and doing another activity or making your own dinner, right? Like doing things for yourself that require a little bit of effort. Um, they go a long way in terms of relieving stress. And I think that's lost too. Sure. And it's a cheap date, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, unfortunately it's all a facade because we all know, like, and this is the, the irony around this is everyone knows that the morning after awful. they went out and slugged, you know, six drinks, right. They feel awful, not just physically, but mentally like, right, like beating man, themselves I shouldn't up have had that and it's like, drink. This, like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> but you did it anyway right. because of the, yeah. the you know the fun that you were having or that the conversation that you were having was flowing and and there are parts where like you know I'll I'm guilty of that for sure I'll I'll be out talking to some friends and we'll have some great conversation and then before you know it you're not really thinking about what you're ordering you're just doing it because the, the waitress comes by or the waiter comes by and you say hey yeah yeah of course I'll have another one yeah like, anyway whatever what were we talking about you know what I mean and it's just it's like an autopilot. Yeah, decision. yeah, for sure. Yeah, one of the things um, a friend of mine says that I, I absolutely love is, he, is he's like, drink to life, not from it. I like that, yeah. And I was like, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating, right? Because like, he's like, if you have if you have two drinks and you're, it's like a big momentous occasion, it's like, you know, and everyone's like raising glasses and it's a big moment, um, you know, you're drinking to life, right? Whereas like, if you're just like sitting down watching a game and you're on your seventh gear, it's like, at this right. point you're drinking right. from it, you know, like this is, you're not making life any right. better. You're making by it doing way this. harder. Cause you're going to wake up the next day. You're not going to work out. Cause you feel like shit. Your day's going to be tough. Cause you didn't sleep well. And then you're probably not hungry because you're full of, you know, 500 carbs that you just consumed last night. And that's tough. Yeah. And I think, it's hard for people to have foresight into the compounding effect of this t- sort of behavior with the, the, the drinking and the food together have on their hormonal health over time, you know? So we all know that like our, our mood and mental health is so closely linked to our, um, you know, our guts microbiome. And if you are, you know, two, three days out of the week diving into like ultra hyper-processed foods and a bunch of alcohol, and then, you know, meanwhile, you're talking to your therapist about how like your mental health sucks. It's like sometimes people fail to draw, like draw the connection between those dots. And this is why you often find like people get control over their fitness and nutrition. And all of a sudden, like all of these, these a lot of these woes start to evaporate. Yeah, man. And I, I think that's kind of like the, uh, the unspoken part of getting healthy or getting in shape is that there's other factors that contribute to your mood other than just your environment. You know, it's, it's what you consume and not just consume, uh, through food, but consume through social media, consume through the news, consume at work. And all those things play a factor into your mood because it's really easy to think about the worries of the world when all you see is the worries of the world. If you're worried about, you know, what's happening in Ukraine, just stop watching it right for a second. You can be, you can still be um, in tune with what, what's happening in the world without being worried about it, you know? Well, your feed is like, it's an information diet, right? So if you, and and I think of it this way, like, you know, there is, you, you can read books, which to me is like having a, a really good meal, right? Or you can scroll TikTok, which is like eating (laughs) Cheez-Its, you know, like, there's there's a junk food information diet that you can take part in that that does far Absolutely. more harm than good. Yeah. Don't don't you wish that as coaches and as gym owners that we could 
we could like it was marketable to be able to convince people that they were going to improve their mental health through fitness. Like I wish that people like that was a, a buzzword. That yeah. I mean, work. but what you're doing with the podcast is you're, you're kind of pioneering that too, because just having conversations um, from two different worlds and linking all the similarities together, it kind of makes me realize that we are doing the right thing. And that is, that is happening across the board. Um, but we just need more people to listen. You need more people to uh, be exposed to the, the, the long-term effects of doing this, right? Because uh, when I started doing this, I, you know, just training in general, I've probably been lifting weights since high school, but I started doing CrossFit maybe 10 years ago, right? And this is a decade later and people are still like, wow, you're in such good shape. Like, how do you, how much weight do you lift? How much, like, no, I've been doing this for a decade and I don't, some of the workouts I do in the morning are 10 minutes long, Right. Our class workout the other day was like 50 toes to bar, 20 power cleans, 50 toes to bar. That's it. And I went home. I was done by 545. But guess what? I checked the box. I moved on. Right. Yeah. But if you don't have the compounding effects of, you know, the long-term effects of this, uh, this program or this mindset or this lifestyle, you're never going to really fully understand it. You're never going to really fully uh, get the, the full benefits from it that you could be getting if you, if you just continue to do it. Yeah, well, and I think it's also, you know, everyone always talks about like staying focused on the process. You know, I, I'll draw the analogy of it. it's like if a co- if a coach comes to me and they're like, hey, I want to I want to coach for the rest of my life and I want to make I want to make over 100 grand being a coach. It's like, OK, well, are you willing to dedicate everything you have to coaching for the next five years to make that a possibility? Right. Like you're not worried about the money in year one. You're not worried about the money in year two. And I think the same is true when you start having conversations around uh, nutrition and health and fitness, which is. Let's not worry about, you know, what you're going to look like in three months. Let's worry about the behaviors and the lifestyle changes, right? And the small incremental things that we need to make adjustments to, to make you start to appreciate your health and fitness and freedom of movement a little bit more. And I think the more we can kind of like peel back the onion a little bit and get people less focused on some of these like vanity metrics, the the more we can get buy into the process, um, you know. To go off what you said, uh, the client I work with, I had him do the inside tracker and I said, let's, let's take a look under the hood. Let's see what's going on with, uh, your blood and, and what's going on in your body. And it turns out he was deficient in some aspects and we started making changes to, uh, add in some supplementation because supplements are supposed to supplement things you are lacking in, not just take them because they're cool and their marketing is awesome. Uh, so he used supplements that he needed to, to become, um, more at baseline and you could see his entire demeanor change. You could see his confidence rise. You could see his body weight decrease, his strength increase, like, right. These things are all related. Um, and it's really easy to see after you've looked under the hood a little bit. For sure. Yeah. And like a point that I always try to drive home is, it's really hard when you come from a life where you are just incredibly sedentary and have given up freedoms, you know, your physical yeah. freedoms for such a long period of time to where your lifestyle isn't indicative of any of those freedoms anymore. And it's hard because now when you're trying to convince someone to lose weight, right? Like they don't see 10 or 15 years down the line. It's harder for them to see the benefits that it'll have on their long-term health but if they if they start to do things that require them right. to be physically fit, 
right? Like go on longer walks with their dog, go for a hike, like go to the rock climbing gym. It's like now all of a sudden they can start to associate this fitness that they're doing inside of the gym to a lifestyle they want to preserve or improve outside. So I think it's, it's that, and that's to your point when you were talking earlier about like trying new things, learning new sports. I think that's why that's the base of the pyramid is because a life that's rich in those things is a life worth. And that's, I had a conversation. I have a group chat with, uh, Chris Clyde, Ryan Street, and uh, Kurt Anzer. I have it. We talk every morning. We always, you know, send our workouts. Uh, it's been going on nice. for about four years. Uh, but they were asking, like, what's the draw to jujitsu? And I said, this is like one of the coolest expressions of fitness that I've been able to use. Right? Uh, I get to use my strength. I get to use my endurance. I get to use my flexibility. I get to use just my my knowledge and understanding of how to move my body through space, um, and and then apply it to something I have no idea about. Right. And I find it just super fascinating to me personally to be able to use uh, all this fitness that I've developed over the last decade in, into something totally new and different. Right. And I think, you know, to what to your point, if somebody can can get that feeling back, um, that's a really easy way to just move the needle again. Right. It's like, all right, cool. I can do this now again. Right. Because when you when you start losing the ability to do things that you once could do, um, that sends you back into the, the kind of the depression that, that is the everyday society, right? It's like, ah, you know, I'm just not as young as I used to be, or I'm too old for that. Whenever I hear things like that, I cringe. Cause I'm like, no, nah, like you're allowed to be sore. And when you get older, I'm sure your bones hurt a little bit more. Absolutely. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't do anything. It just means you might have to do it a little differently, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the, there's also some irony there because it's also in just so well masked nowadays. Like 500 years ago, if you were fit, re- really physically unwell, like you were probably yeah, going to or get you just eaten. die. <laughs> you know, like like if where you would just die. Well, the tri- it, and it would it might even be by the tribe being like yeah, it's yeah. not worth it for You're us slow. to bring you along. Yeah. You're a liability, right? Like now, that's not the case. It's the opposite. It's, it's just not the case. So it's just easier nowadays to be okay with writing stuff off. And again, this is why like, and I always, I feel like I bring this up every podcast and I don't, I, I might as well, because it's the mantra. It's like, for us, we say like, we raise the standard of fitness, health and life for the average person, because that standard is so yeah, low right it, now. Um, and I, I think that we're in a convenience type of culture that just allows yeah, everything's to got a, an easy button to it. Um, if you want food, it's, you drive up to a window and somebody hands you food. If your knee hurts, you eat this pill. If you, you know, aren't sleeping, you take this sleep aid. There's, there's something for everything, right? But there is no substitute for you actually doing the hard work that it takes uh, and the consistency that it takes to overcome all of those societal norms that are presented today, right? So. Yeah. And well, and where it gets really interesting is like, if you do a deep dive into the research, like whether we're talking about depression, anxiety, and mental health, whether we're talking about obesity and metabolic markers, like whether we're talking about, um, you know, orthopedic risk and problems, you know, around like bone mineral density and those sort of things, fitness always wins. Like at the end of the day, if the doctor could prescribe exercise and the patient, it was mandatory of the patient to do it just as much as it was for them to have to take the pill, right? Yeah. The exercise always wins. It's just that the doctor, A, doesn't always have the, the the prescriptive power to be able to send someone 
to go do all the physical things necessary. And I understand that there's physical therapy that often gets prescribed, but it, it's just easier for them to say, you know, take three of these, the, these for the next, you know, two weeks, come back, talk to me then. Because they also know that the reality is the patient is far less likely to adhere well, to a fitness program. So, so like flip, you know, flip the script then from thinking about uh, what the doctor does, right? Because what you said was like, they just don't trust the the client or they just don't t- trust their patient to do what they're telling them to do. But, you know, in the patient's defense, they the doctor doesn't take the time to describe what it would take. Like they're not giving them an hour consultation about how to do an air squat and why it's important to move your body. They are just giving them a 15 minute breakdown of, hey, it looks like uh, you're a little deficient here. Um, if you take this pill, it should clear it up in a couple of weeks and you'll be fine, right? That is so easy. And, you know, to your point, they can churn those people through in a, in a day to see 20, 30 patients, right? If I could, if I only got to talk to people every hour and a half or two hours, because it took me that long to describe their new program or to describe their path forward, um, I wouldn't work with a lot of people. I'd have great results. Absolutely. But my throughput would be a lot less, which I, I would rather have the qual- the quality over the quantity. Uh, and that's kind of how you are with, you know, the way we train people. Like we don't have thousands of people walk in the door, even though there are thousands of people that live in our towns, right? We have the, the higher level quality customer um, because they understand that we take the time to describe to them what it is they need to do. Yeah. And this brings us full circle back to yeah. just establishing yep. a culture around prevention, you know, um, rather than, than treating the symptom. Um, but well, Steve, this has been an awesome conversation and I'm sure we could keep jamming on this for, for another hour or more, but, uh, I'll definitely have you on again. Uh, tell everybody where they can learn. Awesome. Yeah. More thanks Derek. And no, I appreciate it. I could obviously talk to you for days. Um, it's really good to see you. Uh, we got to catch up in person for sure. Um, you can find me on Instagram at CF Steve Bart. Um, you can check out our website, www.cfreconstructed.com. Um, if you have any questions about anything, please feel free to shoot me a message. And uh, I usually check my phone uh, every few minutes. So just hit me up and I'll answer the best I can. Good stuff, man. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, we'll have to get a workout in, maybe some coffee. Yeah, and, sounds uh, good, brother. Awesome to talk to you, gym. Derek. Yes, sir. Cool. Thanks again for hopping on. Thank you again for jumping on the podcast today. I just want to take a quick second to remind you that we post a lot of free and helpful content on our social media pages. You can find us at Hardbat Athletics on Instagram and Facebook and visit our website at www.hardbatathletics.com to learn more about what we do at our facility. Let's keep raising the standard together.